Once upon a time, a small town boy from the south traveled across the ocean to the island of love called Cyprus. He grew into a fine young man on a mission to preach the gospel to the whole world. Then, one day, when he least expected it, he met a Polish girl. Risking it all, he asked her out on a church date. It didn't take long before they fell in love and lived happily ever after. Hold on, I missed the best part. They had a son, later diagnosed with autism, which changed everything. Then two years later, they welcomed a little girl with a heart of gold and a will of iron. They were missionaries and autism parents trying to keep the faith in sanity. Each week, they'll share their journey of love, faith, hope, special needs parenting, and everything else in between. Here is The Preacher and the Polish Girl. Have you ever wondered what happens to our soul after we die? What is death? How to find comfort in truth when you're dealing with the loss of a loved one? We'll discuss it all in today's episode. Well, folks, it's good to be back with you after another unintended sabbatical. Just a lot going on, and we're happy to be back with you. Although this subject today is a heavier one, possibly the heaviest, we believe that uh, there's a lot to be comforted by as we navigate through this subject. So, Ula, why don't you start us off, and what is death in the sense of the clinical or the medical definition? Death is defined as the cessation of all vital functions of the body, including the heartbeat, brain activity, including the brain stem, and breathing so it's basically when our physical bodies have stop yeah, working. Basically, yeah, basically they they take in all uh, the bodily the final functions. breath of yes. of oxygen and the heart beats for the final time. Correct. Now, of course, as Christians and biblicists, we know that the Bible says a lot about life and death, and the the, the earliest chronological book of the Bible, of course, is the book of Job, mm-hmm. and we know that the creation of man is is uh, recorded in Genesis where we're told that man was made from the dust of the ground. Well, in the oldest book, Job 1, verse 21 says, Job said, after all of his loss, he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right. So death, as described clinically, and death described physically, is exactly what Job said. Really, Job summed it up better than anybody when he said... I came into this world naked, I leave this world naked. All of the wealth, all of the possessions, all of your accolades, Mm -hmm. you don't take any of it with you. I saw the picture on social media. It was showing a rich man, Mm -hmm. you know, with all the riches and beautiful houses and cars Mm -hmm. and beautiful wife and children and uh, parties and the life of luxury. Sure. Dream come true, you can say. And then the poor man. And then the picture, like from the bird view, x-ray, mm-hmm. six men carrying the casket of a rich man and the same hole in mm-hmm. the ground. And six men carrying the casket of a poor man, again, is the same hole in the ground. So it doesn't matter if, you, if you're if you a rich man or a poor man, you are still ending up in the ground dead. Yes. You cannot take your possessions with you. 
And of course, we believe that there is spiritual death also. So there's the physical death, which Ula has articulated with that very um, clinical definition. Very clinical definition. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the scripture adds a little bit more poetic beauty to it by talking about the naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return. But of course, spiritual death is something that every soul that doesn't have reconciliation with their maker is mm-hmm. going to face also. Now, before we get to that, though, I guess I should mention that although death is not something we anticipate or even expect, mm-hmm. we have to come to terms with because there's another book in the scriptures called James that describes this life, this journey through life as a vapor. You know, when you think of a vapor, it's just something like a like a uh, like a vapor of breath that you see mm-hmm. um, on the cold on the cold morning. night. Yeah, yeah. You, you see your oxygen, and of course, James describes it as that brief. Yeah, and it does seem like yesterday that we were kids. It does seem like last week was the eighties, and yeah. we were riding our bikes, and we were, um, you know, watching. Friends t- don't tell friends that eighties were forty years ago. Exactly. <laughs> So this life, we know that death is is something that we all must face at some point. Mm-hmm. And we know that this journey through life is short. But of course, as Christians, we believe that the scriptures teach us the reason why everyone has to die one day. Right. You know, the famous verse in Romans 6.23, which I've quoted many times when I'm showing people from the scriptures, mm-hmm. the giving an explanation of how one becomes a Christian. Mm-hmm. This is what Romans 6.23 it has the worst news you can possibly hear and the best news you can possibly hear in one verse. It says, the wages of sin is death, right? but the gift of God is eternal life through mm-hmm. Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's death defined in very simple, very straightforward terms. But what happens to a soul after physical death? Yes. Where does it go? Exactly. What are some of the theories out there that maybe you've heard in your lifetime of as a student and as a professional I imagine you've come across a few wild theories and, <laughs> and probably one or two interesting theories. But well, what's you know, wo- university is quite woke. You oh can yes, say. Mm-hmm. and even in the very conservative Poland, when I was a student, uh, we had religious studies mm-hmm. and just to explore the philosophy of different religious writings. Uh, so yes, we studied the Bible, we studied Quran, we studied um, Hinduism, mm-hmm. uh, then different religions, Taoism, Buddhism, and stuff. So of course, the most promising New Age approach was that there is reincarnation. So they mm-hmm. believe that uh, there is such thing as karma. So if you are doing a lot of good things in your life, you're gonna be reborn, mm-hmm. come back to this earth in your new body as you know, a higher being. But if you've been a bad boy or a bad girl, you, can, you might come back as a pimple. Yes, you might. Oh, man. Or a cockroach or something Ooh. that's, yeah, yeah. So reincarnation seems to be a pretty popular theory. Purgatory is another great mm-hmm. uh, example. And that was very comforting to know because if you have a lot of great friends and family if you die, they can pray you into heaven. That was the belief. So, uh, of course, then when you die, you have the scales and the good Lord measuring mm-hmm. good and bad deeds. And if you have more of the good deeds, you are more prone to heaven or your purgatory. 
<laughs> sentence is shorter. I mean, uh, it doesn't make sense, does and it? And there's no. And in fact, I could see you kind of losing yourself in that explanation. Yes. Like, what am I saying? Yes. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. I believe that for a long time because, right. again, I never... Like a waiting room. Yes, like a waiting room. Yes. And there are a lot of great movies, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. portraying those things that, you know, the soul goes into the waiting room Mm -hmm. and waiting for a trial. And then you go to the trial and then the devil and the angel kind of juggle the arguments. And then uh, the judge decides if you go to heaven or hell. Now, we're obviously not going to be able to cover every theory, but I would say the two other popular theories Mm -hmm. uh, as to what happens to us after death. I would say the most popular one nowadays due to the rise of evolutionistic uh, beliefs Mm -hmm. is the answer would be nothing. Absolutely nothing happens. You just cease to exist. And then, of course, the other one I was going to mention is what's known as soul sleep, where you literally just go to an eternal sleep. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. So those are the popular theories. I would say those are the most common ones. Very comfortable to believe, mm-hmm. because if there is no judgment, if there is no hell. Yeah. So what do Christians believe about life and death? What mm-hmm. do we believe happens to us after we die? We believe what the Bible says. Yeah, we believe what the Bible says, basically, the long and short of it. But just to give you one of many verses, and obviously mm-hmm. we can't fit them all on one podcast, but I would say that Hebrews 9.27 is a popular verse. Mm-hmm. It says, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this... The judgment. Right. So basically, it's an appointment set by God that nobody else knows but God. And it's an appointment. You're either going to face him, uh, what Christians uh, know and what the Bible describes as the judgment seat of Christ, where we give an account of our life. We're not punished for our sins, but we have to give an explanation to God as to our motives on this earth, our decision-making process. Mm -hmm. And we'll just have to give an explanation. We'll have to give an account of ourselves. And then, of course, the other judgment, where everyone else will go, is known as the white throne judgment. And that's where every person, uh, they're not granted a hearing. They are, it's basically a sentencing. They've already been sentenced. Yes. In other words, they've died without Christ. So now they're just there to to be sentenced. Mm -hmm. So we believe that what happens to a soul... So is there a different outcome for someone who trusted Christ with their life on this earth? And different outcome for someone who rejected the gospel and uh, chose a path without Christ. Absolutely, and it's uh-huh. and it's the it's two very popular words in the English language, and we repeat them, and we use them wrongly, and they're used for all sorts of things. Like if we take a nice bite of ice cream, we say, "Oh, this is heaven," uh-huh. yes. or we'll be driving through heavy traffic, we'll be like, "Oh, the traffic is hell today." Uh-huh. Right. But of course, we believe. That heaven and hell are real places, real destinations. They're not symbolic. Mm -hmm. They are actual places. Uh, So basically, Christians believe that when you die, when you physically die, your soul will either live on uh, with God in heaven Mm -hmm. or you will live forever in hell and suffer based on your based on your deeds. Is now, there a description of heaven and hell? There is. The Lord Jesus, he seemed to have, he, he spoke more about the subject of hell than anybody else in the scriptures. Wow. So he, he was actually the most prolific speaker on the subject of hell and judgment and destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny how 
the tables have turned and now the preachers uh, try to avoid, a lot of preachers, I'm sure. not saying all, but a lot of churches try to avoid the subject of hell and sin and condemnation mm -hmm. um, because it's very uncomfortable and it really stirs the soul. Sure. Well, one of the verses that Christians recognize as, as giving us an explanation of what happens to our soul immediately after we die, mm -hmm. if we've trusted Christ, is, of course, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, that says, We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So mm -hmm. basically, we believe that as soon as we breathe our last breath here, we take in our first breath there in heaven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's no purgatory, there's no waiting room. We immediately go to heaven. And just like we believe that if we die without Christ, then we wake up in a place, a horrible place that nobody likes to talk about, but it's a reality, a place called hell. Wow. So, yes, they are real places. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about what hell has been described as by others or maybe how it's been explained away. Or well, Why do you think that there's such a resistance to the belief in hell? Like in your experience as a psychologist, as a religious person, you know, well, before nobody, you before you became a Bible believing Christian, sure. yeah, yeah, before I surrendered my life to Christ, I believed that there was a place called hell because that's what I was taught mm -hmm. as a child as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I believed in heaven. Did you however, believe they were real places, or they were just more likely symbolic? Right. I believed that heaven was a real place that mm -hmm. one day we'll be in heaven with mm -hmm. Jesus, whatever that meant. And that one day uh, he's going to come, the second coming. I was never taught about the rapture. Yeah, um, the details. The details. Yeah. Uh, I was just taught that Jesus came once and he's coming again. And uh, that's going to be the second coming and we're mm. all going to be uh, on this. Uh, Either on earth. the right side of his plan or the wrong side, Correct. basically. Yeah. And, uh, the dividing line. Yeah. But hell itself, it wasn't like, I mean, there was a lot of emphasis on sin. Mm -hmm. Everything was sinful, even uh, having a relationship with your husband, enjoying marital life mm -hmm. in the bedroom mm -hmm. was sinful unless you were uh, trying to produce an heir. Isn't it? I, I think it's fair to say here, and I'll be try to be as careful as I can. Yes. But considering the subject matter that mm -hmm. we're discussing today, I think really nothing's off the table. <laughs> Right, because this is not a difficult. This is not an easy subject to tackle necessarily, mm -hmm. uh, but that is probably one of the reasons why there is so much persistence on the part of general mankind to find alternative explanations yes. for how we got here, yes. where we came from, mm -hmm. because. I think it's very hard for people to accept that it's that cut and dry, that it's that black and white, that mm -hmm. it is literally saved, unsaved, heaven or hell, yeah, there's no redeemed or unredeemed. Yes. That that's a struggle for people because we live in a world that is uh, is complicated and has a lot of layers. So that simplicity, uh, although it's genuine mm -hmm. and it's truthful, uh, sometimes it just seems overly simplistic for people. And then of course you have people as as the Bible describes, as professing themselves to be wise, they became mm -hmm. fools. That was me. Uh, yeah. So I think that's why we see such a rise in atheism and agnosticism. And, of course, there's been a lot of injustice done in the name of God. But, of course, there's been a lot of injustice, you know, in, in the names of many other Oh, yes. But, religions. you know, like the life after death, physical death in other religion is a lot more glittery. 
-hmm. attractive because you can uh, do a lot of good deeds, you know, in New Age, Hare Krishna, Hinduism, mm -hmm. Buddhism, and just be reborn. However, when you choose to believe what Christ said, there are consequences to your actions. There are consequences to yes. your decision. If you truly believe, if you truly surrender, and to surrender to Christ means to die to self. And in modern day society, it's all about self, self-help, self-love. In Christianity, true Christianity, you deny yourself. Right. You exactly. you die to self and you, you follow Christ. You dethrone yourself from the throne of your heart. And that's not very appealing no. to the flesh. Well, here's the thing. Generally, people like the teachings of Jesus. Mm -hmm. They like the I mean, Beatitudes. Even, even they, the atheists, yeah. they revere him as a great person. person. and all this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They like all the, the nice stuff. What people have an issue with is are the commandments. Mm-hmm. The law, the, the, the instructions, the, the you know, guidelines. Now, here, here's what I say about that. Even if you don't accept the commandments, even if you don't accept Christ, you still cannot avoid the consequences for your actions. In other words, if if there was no God, if there was no Christ, and we, of course, believe wholeheartedly that yes. there is, uh, there would still be consequences for your actions. Mm -hmm. You can't you know, speed down a highway without consequences. You cannot be sexually promiscuous without there being consequences. Right. You can't act on every impulse without consequences. You can't partake of any substance you want to partake of without consequences. You basically can't avoid consequences. You may try to suppress your conscience. You may try to avoid commandments but you cannot escape consequences. And so that is a truth irrespective of your beliefs. And of course, as Christians, we believe the Bible is our authority and it's our standard for living. Mm -hmm. But I think that's what people are running from. They're running from the Christ of the consequences. Yes. But what they're failing to realize is that he's the cure for those consequences. Right. I mean, if you truly understand that heaven and hell mm -hmm. are real places. Yeah. And if you read the Bible, if you read the description of agony and mm -hmm. separation from God forever, and no one can hear you, you're alienated, you're completely isolated. Uh, you're not going to be surrounded by other souls that chose hell over heaven, and it's going to be party. Sure. Like uh, a lot of people tend to believe, like, oh, I don't want to go to heaven and have it's gonna be all the hymnals. Yes. We're going to be floating around yeah. on clouds. Yeah, yeah. we're going to go party in hell. Yeah. Oh, my. Well, here's the thing. If you respect Jesus, then you have to respect his words. And if he believed in something, then that gives you every reason to believe in something. So Jesus certainly believed in heaven and hell, and he talked about both, but he spoke, as I said, he, he was the most prolific speaker in the scriptures on the subject of hell, mm -hmm. which is one of those things that goes under the radar. But John 14 is a popular passage, very comforting passage, yeah. uh, where Jesus speaks about the reality of heaven. He says, let not your heart be troubled. In verse 1 of, of John 14, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Mm -hmm. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, mm -hmm. Jesus is saying, listen, I've got no reason to lie. I don't have to impress anybody. I'm the son of God. If this wasn't true, I would just tell you, look, sorry, guys, you're on your own. I came here. It didn't work out. I'm leaving. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But he made it clear that if it were not so, I would have told you because mm -hmm. I don't have to defend. I don't have to explain. I don't have to seek counsel from anyone. Say, hey, am I allowed to tell people that there's a place called heaven? He says, listen, if it were not so, I would have just told you it wasn't so. Mm-hmm. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the very famous verse, which I love, it's one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, is, is verse 6, where Thomas kind of asked him, you know, what's been known, to, he's become to be known as Doubting Thomas. Yeah. He says, well, how can we know the way in verse 5? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, mm. the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Right. So he believed in heaven, and he most certainly believed in hell also. So any thoughts, Miss Tinsley, on those comforting words of Christ? Not the only comforting words of Christ regarding heaven. He spoke a lot about it, but that's just one of those really comforting passages that you can really cling to in times of loss and times of sadness and heartache. Yes. To know that there's a place being prepared. Absolutely. Knowing that my relatives who went home before me, Mm -hmm. who truly loved the Lord, Mm -hmm. they're going to be there. Yeah. Because we're gonna that's see them again. what Christ promised. Mm-hmm. And again, I also cling to hope that Jesus doesn't look at the denomination necessarily mm-hmm. because my relatives didn't have evangelical church to mm-hmm. attend to or... Um, there wasn't one to attend. There yeah. wasn't one to attend. But they loved the Lord and their life was completely filled with prayer, with devotion to the Lord. I mean, they really... They walked with Him. They walked with Him, daily yeah. walk. I believe that they're going to be there. Maybe they never yeah. said the sinner's prayer. As, well, there is no exactly. sinner's prayer. There is no but, sinner's prayer. Um, I believe that our life is a testimony uh, to our faith. And my grandma especially was always making sure that I know about the Lord, about the Holy Spirit, about how to pray to Him. Of course, she did the best she could to to show me by example. But she knew about the cross. She knew oh, that absolutely. Jesus died on the yes, cross and that did. He he, it was it was a vicarious suffering yes. for yes for our I mean, sins that you know basically as many songs say it should have been us but he he took he the took bullet for us he took yes. the blame he and he and he paid the the debt that he didn't know because mm-hmm. we owed a debt that we could not pay yes and he was buried and on the third day he rose again and if we put our trust in that and that alone what mm-hmm. Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection if we put our trust and admit that we're sinners and believe that he is the only way yes. to be redeemed, then he promises to forgive us and to write our names in the book mm-hmm. of life and to take us to heaven one day. And I believe that when we pray, sincerely pray, the Holy Spirit will reveal mm-hmm. himself to us and he will give us the understanding and he will draw us yes. to God, closer to God, so we we can call on the Lord to be saved. Now, if you want to get an idea of how severe the consequences are for people who would harm a child or mistreat a child or abuse a child, Jesus reserved some very harsh judgment for those offenders in Mark 9, Mm -hmm. verse 42. He says, Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that -hmm. believe in me, it's better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. And then he goes on to give an description of a place that you can see by what he's stating here that he believed and knew this place was real. Of course he did. I mean, he's God. But yes. I'm just saying there's no gray area. Is this a real place? Is this just a... Symbolic. Symbolic. Yeah. He, he makes it clear mm-hmm. you know, Which in, verse in these verses. It? It's verse 43. It says, and if, he says, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. Mm-hmm. It's better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, he repeats the same thing, mm-hmm. that the fire is never quenched, and the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Mm. And he mentions it about 
if your eye offends you, pluck it out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, is Jesus literally telling people, "Hey, if you want to be a follower, you have to pluck your eye out, you have to cut your hand off"? <laughs> no. He is stating that if you're if you're choosing, yeah, to if you're choosing to do sin. things, continue sinning, mm-hmm. you would be better off without those hands that are reaching for that temptation mm-hmm. and, and those eyes that are looking. Mm-hmm. You, you better to get rid of them and, and to use that, you know, to basically live this one life whole and then go into eternity and suffer forever. So it, it is basically a, a symbolic explanation, but the place he's talking about mm-hmm. is very real. Jesus is making an illustration here about a real place. He's like, look, do you really think that it's worth seeing those things and reaching for those things? Uh, you'd be better off maimed in this life than to face the next life. Mm-hmm. And it's really not that much to give up in this life to gain heaven. No, because really, you know, being this a Christian... This life is a vapor. It honestly mm-hmm. passes by so quickly, and then we wake up in eternity. And it's see, up to us which eternity it's going to be. Christianity, I think, has been misinterpreted and misrepresented by so many. And too many people are telling people that it's it's a list of do's and don'ts. But right. that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is a relationship with Christ. And so, in other words... When you have that relationship, there are new desires that become part of you. So you actually desire what he desires. You're not living in constant fear, oh, if I mess up, I'm going to be in big trouble. No, your your sins were paid for mm-hmm. on the cross. You're forgiven past, present, and future. It's all about relationship. It's all about new desires, uh, new focus. Well, that's the question that was asked many times directly to me and to us on Autism Mama Bear. And what is that question? Are people with developmental disabilities like autism covered by grace? So in other words, are they going to have to give an account for their deeds and actions? Correct. The short answer is no, because the Bible's clear that in order to be judged for your sins, you have to be aware of what sin is. Mm-hmm. So you have to have If you a, have no you, capability of understanding, of understanding mm-hmm. then you are actually not a sinner. You're born with a sinful nature, yes, But in order to commit sin, you have to know and be able to discern the difference between Mm -hmm. right and wrong. That's why the Bible makes it clear throughout the scriptures that we are judged according to our works. So if a person has developmental disabilities, they are not always going to be able to discern between right and wrong. Mm -hmm. So they can't really give an account for something they don't understand or comprehend. And we have a couple of great examples of that. We know certainly that babies and innocent children are absolutely... In heaven, one of the earliest examples of that we have is back in Second Samuel, back in the Old Testament, where King David had this affair with Bathsheba. He had her husband killed, and the child from that uh, affair died. Mm-hmm. Yes. But David had the comfort that says, I cannot go, to, uh, uh, he, he, he cannot come. return to me, but I can go to him. So he knew the child was safe mm-hmm. in heaven. And then we know that the kingdom itself, we know that heaven itself is populated With children. So we have that picture from Matthew chapter 19, Uh uh, just one of many places, but I'll just read this one. It says, But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. So heaven is populated and filled with children. Uh And that is because of their innocence. Because of their innocence and and their purity. Mm-hmm. And then it, it does mean if a child, especially with disability or adult with disability, mental dis- developmental uh, yes. disability, if they have behaviors that are in our eyes sinful, yes. especially like uh, we know that 
um, young adults with Down syndrome, they have more testosterone and mm -hmm. they are more prone to sexual acts. Mm -hmm. They don't do it as a sinful nature. It's just pure biology, mm -hmm. pure physical. So uh, those things and those moms ask me like, hey, what about my son? Because, you know, he's doing things that are embarrassing, things that are dangerous, things that are aggressive. Mm -hmm. uh, and they know that it's wrong. I tell them that it's wrong. Mm. But really, they don't understand. There's that no it's, comprehension. Yes. Yeah, there's not full comprehension. And mm -hmm. Of course, God being a perfectly just God does not judge the innocent. He judges the guilty. Yes. So you cannot be judged for something that you are not able to discern whether you are right or whether you're wrong. And, and the age of understanding right and wrong is different for everyone. Right. But we have comfort from the scriptures that judgment day is all about being judged for our sin, for our decisions, for our selfishness, for our wickedness. And those are things that anyone with developmental disabilities are just not going to be able to comprehend and therefore not capable of committing acts of sin or treason mm -hmm. against God. Mm -hmm. So in summary, how do we find comfort You know, when dealing with the loss of a loved one? Yes. Well, of course, we could go back to John 14. Nobody said it better than Jesus, let not your heart be troubled. Mm-hmm. That's very reassuring. Right. But we have many passages where we draw comfort in the truths promised by our Savior and clearly outlined in Scripture. What would be the call of action if we don't want separation from our loved ones? Let's say we believe mm -hmm. that what Jesus said and did was true. Mm -hmm. We believe that he died he was in a grave for three days and he rose again mm -hmm. and he's in heaven and waiting and he promised that he's coming back for us. But our loved ones are still on the fence. They are not truly with yeah. us in well, this faith. Good question. We, we have to reconcile with God. Mm -hmm. So the fellowship is broken. Yeah. And we have to reconcile. John, the, the Gospel of John Chapter 1, verse 9 says that Jesus was that light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So the Holy Spirit reveals truth to every person on the planet through their conscience. Yes. If they're capable of understanding right and wrong, if there's not a intellectual disability, then the truth of right and wrong is revealed to them, mm -hmm. and God reveals truth to them. So basically, our mission in life is to reconcile with God at the earliest possible age, mm -hmm. And then to teach our friends and family and loved ones to do the same. So we're to be the examples, light. we're to be the light, we're to be the salt, we're to be... Ambassadors. Ambassadors for Christ. We're mm -hmm. to publish the good news that, hey, folks, bad news, we're all going to die one day. The good news is we can be there's forgiven and there's a way mm -hmm. to heaven. First Thessalonians 4 says sums it up so beautifully. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of fear in the early church because there was a lot of martyrdom taking place. So literally people were being sawn in half and fed to the lions and, yeah. you know, stabbed and tortured for their faith. Mm -hmm. And so people were dying every day. People were being separated from their husbands and wives and children. Yeah, There was a heavy persecution. And so Paul wrote a letter to the church of Thessalonica to kind of calm everyone down and let everyone know that, hey, it's not what you think. Bring them comfort. Yeah, to, to bring them comfort. And, and mm -hmm. so part of the letter is recorded in chapter 4. It says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. 
Asleep means dead, yeah. But that, that's how uh, the scriptures frequently describe death as, as asleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Mm-hmm. So yes, there are a group of people who don't have hope, and they're known as the others. Mm-hmm. And that would be anybody who hasn't put believed on the yeah put their trust in the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. But there was a concern here in the early church that those that had already been martyred for their faith, that basically they were going to miss the resurrection. Right. They were going to miss the return of Christ, and there was a lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And there was they were like, oh my goodness, you know, what about Dad? He's already dead. You know, is, yeah. is, is he going to miss? The coming of Christ, yeah, mm-hmm. because they believe just like we believe that it could happen at any moment, right? So they were anticipating his return, and so they're like, "What's happened to the people that died?" So Paul mm-hmm. wrote this. I say, everybody, calm, calm down. down. It's going to be all right. Uh, you don't have to be worried about those. Uh, you don't have to be ill-informed about those that have already fallen asleep. And then he gives the condition in verse fourteen. He says, "For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again." That's the that's it right there. That's the key. That's the gospel in that mm-hmm. one statement. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And then of course he describes how that's going to happen, how he's going to appear in the clouds and, and the dead in Christ actually rise first and then we which are alive shall be called up together with them. And then he summarizes so Jesus is not coming back. He's yes. not coming to earth. He's going to come in the clouds. He's going to come in the clouds and, and take his church. Up. Yep, all the believers. But here in verse 18, he says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Right. Yeah. So there is a comfort for the believer. And there's many other passages we could read. But, but basically, salvation comes down to these simple things, the ABCs of salvation. Mm-hmm. Firstly, there's a moment in everyone's life where they become aware, mm-hmm. I believe, of what sin is. And there's there's a revealing in our conscience. And mm-hmm. we, of course, believe that's the Holy Spirit drawing and, and revealing His... Yeah, shining the light. Shining the light in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, we have a choice, once we become aware of our sin, to admit that we're sinners or to just rebel and say, well, I, don't I like it. I that wrong. I'm yeah. fine. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. But if we put our hands up and be like, yes. I admit, yes. I admit I'm I a am, sinner. I messed up. I messed up. And so what do I do about it? Well, there's nothing you can do in yourself. You have to depend on what's already been done. And of course, that is the... The B of ABC. The B is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Meaning that we don't just believe he exists, but we believe that he actually paid for our sins on the cross, that he took our punishment. So we put our trust, we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Lord Jesus Christ, meaning we believe that that act of love on the cross when he shed his blood and the first first words out of his mouth were, Father, forgive them. Mm. That's the first thing he said on the cross. If we believe that, that that was the moment that our sins were being paid for, and then of course he was buried and three days later he rose again, so we believe that he rose again, that he didn't stay dead. He was not just a regular man. He was not just an ordinary man. He was the God man. He was fully God and fully man. So if we believe that Jesus died and rose again and that he's the only Savior and that what he did is the only thing that can save you, then the C of the ABCs, we then call upon him. We call upon him and say, Lord Jesus, in our own words, I believe you died for me. I believe you shed your blood for me and I put my trust in you. And it's in that moment that the sin debt is paid and it's in that moment that our names are written in the book of life. And then there's a moment that we don't know when he's either going to appear for us in the clouds or we're going to breathe in for the final time and breathe out for the first time in heaven. 
Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Thank you for listening.